This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, hey there, welcome back to Worship God, a Gospel Coalition Canada podcast about all things worship. My name is Rob Brockman. I'm an associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia, Ontario. And today I am joined by my good friend and the lead pastor of South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario, Jody Cross. Jody, good to see you. Rob, hey, it's afternoon, so I don't know when everybody else is listening, but good afternoon to you on a very beautiful day. Oh, yeah. It's one of these nice warm summer days now. Now we're into June. Can you believe that? June 1st. If you're listening in December because you were late, late getting to the party in June, you know, we just know that there was a warm day six months ago. Just picture, just picture how we look, you know, no snow, nice warm sun. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back on the podcast. You know, often with this podcast, we are talking about the role of a worship leader, about song selection, about working with the senior pastor and how to think theologically about worship. We, we tend to talk a lot about those kinds of higher level things. And, but, but often in many of the episodes, we are speaking from the perspective of a worship pastor um, or a worship leader, kind of the person in charge of worship. And today what we wanted to do is take a look at a different role on the worship team, which is the worship vocalist. Now, now when I say that, I don't want to insinuate that the worship, like the vocalists aren't worship leaders. You know, I believe that the bassist is a worship leader as mm-hmm. much as the vocalist is a worship leader. Right. So we're all up there. We're all leading. Um, um, but I, I do often think that a bass player or a drummer is maybe not thinking about enough how the role that they play on and off stage. Um, but often the, the vocalist is not the one picking the songs or directing the band. They are leading worship from that supportive role. Now, maybe they're leading a song, maybe they're singing harmonies, but they're still playing a pivotal role on the team that we don't often talk about or highlight. And so in today's episode, Jody and I wanted to talk about and talk to vocalists and ask the question, how as vocalists can we lead worship well? Jody, I wanted to start with just asking you, what kind of qualifications, when you know, when you got a vocalist who comes up to you at church and they're like, hey, I sing, I'd love to join the worship team. Well, when someone inquires about singing on worship, mm-hmm. what do you tend to tell them about kind of qualifications you would have for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's start by thanking them thanking them that that they had the courage to come up. I wonder how many people are sitting there in their seats in the pews and uh, they just, you know, they're just sitting on their gifts. So if someone comes up, they've got the courage to do that. I would just thank them and express my appreciation. And I would ask a few questions. There's maybe five things I think of. I think think they could all come under the the letter C. Mm -hmm. The first one is that this individual is part of the church. Uh, you know, part part and parcel of the church really integrated. They may be new, but this is their church. They're not just kind of here and there and uh, going different places, different churches. This is their church. They're called here and they're committed here. So that'd be the first mm. thing. Because you want somebody who's going to be you know, under your authority and yeah. p- part of the community. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing is a commitment to Christ. They are a growing follower of Jesus, someone who's had a conversion experience, evidence of a life change, 
and they are in a intentionally growing role. Doesn't mean they have to be perfect, mm-hmm. for sure. That does. That's uh, true of all of us. We're not. We're not arrived, but they love Jesus. And third is um, that they are someone who is a worshiper and wants to steward their gifts. I was just thinking, I was, a, yeah. Does that line up with the C word, C letter? Hmm. <laughs> anyway, maybe not. Maybe that's ones that's not a C. But they're yeah. a worshiper. <laughs> they have, they have a heart to worship, and they want to use their gifts. That that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And there are sometimes the rare occasions where someone might come up and say, "Hey, I've I've got you know gifts. You need to use me." Well, that's maybe too extreme. And um, I like someone who says. I think God's gifted me and I am a worshiper and I would love to share my gifts and serve in this way. That's a different attitude. Yeah. Fourth thing comes back to the C that would be the whole idea of competency. Mm. And this person can sing. There's a skillfulness about them. They can stay on pitch. They understand rhythm. Ideally, this person can sing harmony and mm. hopefully they have experience. Yeah. And so they bring a skillfulness and, and then finally, there's chemistry. And so this idea is that as you get to know them, you realize that they are a team player or can, can function as a team player, which means they get along with people. They want to serve. They can take direction and they demonstrate humility. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know those things just in a brief conversation. Some, well, oftentimes it is a follow-up conversation. It's a, let's get to know each other. And sometimes uh, you'll actually have a form that people can fill out, whether it's online or paper mm-hmm. copy that you just ask questions. And one of the advantages of having people in your church for, let's say a period of six months is that you've watched them. You've interacted with them, perhaps maybe, you know, their family. And so you're learning things about them even before that conversation happens that they, they offer to sing. Yeah. Jody, I'm curious because, um, you know, I was, I was, it was, this came up in a conversation that I was watching online the other day, just about the professionalization of the worship ministry to the extreme that sometimes we can take it where it's like, unless you can play as good as on the stems or the tracks, we'll just sub you out, play the track. And, you know, it's getting to the point where it's like, unless you are like can professionally play according to like the way it is on the album. Mm. And it's what people are noting is we're kind of losing the imperfection Mm. and the discipleship (laughs) that happens, you know, on a team. And when you, when you talk about um, skill or competency, like what's the threshold? Like when will you take somebody and even though maybe they're not that great, you see like, okay, they're not that great and maybe they're going to be a little pitchy or whatever, but I'll take them on the team because I can work with them. Like, how do you, how do you evaluate, you know, your, your spectrum there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking that a minute ago as I was talking about skilled, you know, we, we may want somebody who's skilled, but some other person developed that individual over years. Mm. Could, could be a piano teacher, could be a youth pastor, somebody invested in that person that, that we're hoping that they come to us skilled. Right. Now, sometimes, and this is a whole other conversation, you and I were actually having this just before we, we hit yeah. record, but, but just the beauty of investing in younger leaders, be they 14, 15, 16, whatever, that there needs to be a place for them at, a, at a, an appropriate level to grow and to develop. So, yeah. so, you know, for the, the threshold, where's the bar? I, I believe that for someone to sing on the team, particularly in a, in a fairly upfront role, they need to sing. They need to, to sing with the level that the team's playing at. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a musician, you need to be able to play the songs that are in our repertoire. 
and you need to sing the songs that are in our repertoire and sing as skillfully as the team is. So, you know, that's, I think that's a fairly easy thing to assess in a, in an audition or in a, them joining you for rehearsal, you'll get a sense whether they're keeping up or not, whether they know the chords or not, whether they can sing the notes or not. But if they don't, and this is another tangent, then you look for development areas, such as if they're young people, then you involve them at junior high or senior high level, or you invite people to rehearsal for a period of weeks or months until they, they grow, or you help them to figure out some lessons. Yeah. So there are, there are development issues, and, and um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about uh, his church, and he was just saying that one of their youth leaders is intentionally developing a lot of youth in terms of music and worship at the church, mm-hmm. and I was just thrilled by that. Yeah. And uh, when I was uh, at Cornerstone, where you currently are now, a couple of times a year, we would actually bring the youth worship team up yeah. on a Sunday morning. And Yeah, we're having that pass- July 4th. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That's great. And, you know, you get... You get uh, Ryan Chevalier or whoever yeah. is your, your youth leader to preach and you get your, your team and they're encouraged and you help them to do their best and they just go for it and you love them and encourage them. And I love that when that happens, that, oh, yeah. that we get to encourage people and help them develop. Yeah. Well, it was, I remembered it was a comment I saw Paul Balash, our brother Paul make, he said, stems have sterilized our church's worship. And that got into a big debate, of course. And then, but then what I remembered it thinking was like, man, you know what? I think. I think up until recently, I had gotten to a place where, you know, getting into worship ministry changed my life as a young 18-year-old. And I think that if Rob Brockman at 18 had come to me today, Rob at 37, and wanted to join the team, I wouldn't let him. Because <laughs> I, I and, and then it made me go, wow, what a travesty, like what a devastating effect that would have had on my life as an 18 year old, if, cause I was given a chance then, but that I wouldn't give that person a chance today. So it was a real corrective that I, mm-hmm. that I had to make. And so even when we have this conversation around our vocalists and qualities, we, we, we are obviously understanding that there is a discipleship nature and there is a sense in which sometimes you, you uh, take somebody who doesn't quite make the bar and you raise them up and you grow mm-hmm. them. So yeah. we don't mean for these standards or these key attributes to be used as a hammer to exclude people. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just bringing these up as good, good, uh, good markers of a mm-hmm. great vocalist. So, so Jody, you go first. What would be a key attribute that you think is critical for a worship team vocalist? Hmm. I love, I love what it says about David at the end of Psalm 78. Um, with skillful hands, he led them and with mm-hmm. integrity of heart. Uh. And, so there's a knowledge base. So this is about David's being a shepherd, but I think it applies to his, his leadership and mm. his musicality too. We could extend that. But so there's the heart component and there's the, the hand component or the skill component. So the attributes really, we start with the insides that someone has a heart of worship, that they mm. love Jesus. And you know, that can be grown too, but you need to see evidence of it. Totally. We, we don't really, we don't want singers because you can sing, you know, you can sing national anthems, you can sing karaoke. We're not just looking for singers, we're looking for worshipers. Mm. And so you want to know that this person, they have a relationship with Jesus and they love him. And then somehow there's a connect that the worship of this individual's life Mm. seeks to overflow in the encouragement of others publicly Mm. to spur them on to love and good deeds through what this person is offering. So 
your private worship becomes your public worship and an encouragement. So, mm. and then motivation from the heart. Why do you do this? Just asking again, uh, discerning motives. And I think those, the two motives would be, I want to sing because I want to glorify God. And I want to sing because I want to encourage God's people. Yeah. And cast the light on Christ. Yeah. Then that's the, that's the heart part. And then the, uh, the ability is just, uh, I think we could divide it into two things. There's, there's the voice that you have and the, the sweetness and the pleasantness of your voice. And then we'll talk a lot about this in the next uh, little bit, but just your leadership with your nonverbals, mm. uh, how you lead with your presence and how that your, your being exudes the worship in terms of the confidence and the freedom you have to express the truth that is in those songs. Yeah. Well, that you're right. That all stems from a heart of just wanting to bless the Lord and bless God's people. Those are the kind of natural kind of things that will, as somebody gets more comfortable in that, will exude out. You know, for, and I and I think that that leads to the uh, what I want. One thing that I think is important is being comfortable with biblical forms of expression. I think when you um, love the Lord and you're passionate and you love worshiping, you love leading people in singing gospel, truth, good doctrine about Jesus, and you love savoring and delighting in Jesus. Um, certain expressions, and they're found in the Bible, need to become kind of very second nature to us. So there's a, a number of expressions that the Bible talks about, like bowing before the Lord. You'll Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Um, the Bible talks even just about standing, you know, Psalm 119, 120, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. And so there's a sense in which we stand, we dance. Psalm, 9, Psalm 149, 3, uh, praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. And so I shouldn't, if I'm standing up there just like a wooden board and I look, you know, kind of firm and stiff, that's going to demonstrate something to the congregation. Mm. Uh, the Bible talks about clapping and it talks about lifting of hands. And so these are all things that um, we should get comfortable with as vocalists. Am I comfortable clapping my hands? Well, we're going to talk later about time, but can I clap my hands in the right beats? Mm -hmm. um, am I comfortable raising my hands. If I'm, as I'm doing this, I'm encouraging the church and modeling right worship. And these aren't just like, all right, you know, the, there's not the music director and the microphone in the back saying, all right, all right, we're going to lift our hands guys in five seconds, mm. four, three, two, one. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a planned mm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is just natural responding to the Lord, responding to the lyrics, the truth that you're singing. And so I think of those things, just getting comfortable with biblical forms of expressions, times when you want to raise your hands, times where maybe uh, when the pastor, we used to have pastors at our church who would just kneel sometimes and, and at the pulpit and pray, well, to kneel down with them as a worship leader or to uh, dance a little. If, if the song's upbeat and people are getting into it, you know, there's it's okay to dance a little. Um, maybe people don't want to see a bunch of white people dancing, but we're allowed to do these things. And so these would be things getting comfortable with the biblical forms of expression, I think make a really solid um, vocalist as well. What else, Jody? Um, I think, yeah, just the, the confidence that someone exudes, you know, if you've ever listened to somebody who you can tell is not pre prepared and not 
sure of the song, you begin to feel awkward and insecure on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And we have also seen people who look quite stiff mm-hmm. on stage. They don't move. They don't make eye contact. All sorts yep. of things that the body posture just says, I am I'm uncomfortable up here. I am feeling mm-hmm. insecure. And what happens is that leaders on the platform, and you said earlier that all of the, the musicians are, are leading in one way or another. And singers typically are, background singers or background vocalists are, are usually fairly on the same, uh, same plane as the, the leader. Yeah, right up they're, front. They're up front. And so they're, they're pretty visible. And so uh, people are watching them. And for good or ill, they're watching them. And it is not uncommon to see people who look like they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so there's a confidence issue. And if people are asking, you know, well, how do I know if I'm, if you're listening as a vocalist, how do, how do you know what you look like? Simple, watch a recording of yourself. Yeah. And actually ask yourself the question, do you look happy? Do you look engaged? Are you moving? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you look uncomfortable and awkward? Mm-hmm. Uh, because those things are are communicating and really a singer, both with their, their words and their actions, they're communicators. Mm-hmm. We're communicating a message about God. And so the confidence is not in ourselves and we could have a discussion. I was thinking about your last, last idea about being comfortable with biblical postures at the extreme of that, that can look forced and manipulated yep. and performing and showy. Like I took a course in high school drama class and I know how to put all that stuff on. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what you were saying. You were saying, make it real, make it strong, make it authentic. But if someone's on the other extreme where they, they just don't have any confidence and they don't have mm-hmm. any sense of coming out of their shell, then I think they're robbing themselves of the message. So uh, look at something that you can see recorded and ask how you can grow and uh, be confident. You know, we and I think a, a good little tip there is match the emotion of what you're saying and singing. Like if you're talking about praise the Lord, all you nations, you know, it's a call to worship, big upbeat. There should be joy. We should be celebrating. But if mm-hmm. we're singing about repentance, you know, then, mm. you know, you, we, we should be matching the tone of what we're singing and everything isn't the same. It's like we're we're able to match match things, you know, and, and sometimes you're going to be called on to let maybe read a passage or to say a prayer. And that's where I, I notice a lot of people get really uncomfortable. It's like, I'll sing, but don't ask me to talk, you know? <laughs> and I think that's, again, a great vocalist is going to be able to kind of hone some of those skills and okay, I may be tapped on the shoulder now by my worship leader to lead a song, to, to uh, read a passage, maybe even to pray over the preaching of the word or whatever. Um, being, being willing and being kind of versatile in those things are, are important. And so, and, and to that extent, I would say another key thing that kind of is very tied to that would be engage with the truths that you are singing internally. Um, at, at one point in my life, I think I realized that I wasn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time as a singer and as a worship leader, thinking about what I was singing. For some reason, I don't know, I guess I had just gotten into this habit of singing the songs, and but I wasn't really considering as I'm leading what I'm singing. And 
that's how your affections are stirred for the Lord is by actually considering the truth of what you are saying, of your singing Mm -hmm. and dealing with it internally and, and reflecting on it and offering it to the Lord and believing it and trusting in it. And so I would, I would seek to engage with God through those things. Um, Sing, mm-hmm. sing from the heart, not from mm-hmm. the chart. You know, mm-hmm. uh, let 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 the let the what's true dwell within you, and let that be let that come out in your expression. And that really is like a mind thing. It really is a heart and mind thing when you're actively as you're le- you're not thinking about um, oh what what's going on, how many people are singing, are they raising their hands or not, or you're not thinking about when you're up there. You gotta do all your rehearsal beforehand so that you're prepared. And then when you're up there, you are just engaging mm. with what you're doing. Mm. I think that makes a great vocalist. It's true. And as you're listening to, to the lyrics and, and reading them, they're saying two things. They're saying something about God and they're saying something about people. Yeah. How people should respond to the truth about God or the individual's experience in life or in faith and discipleship and how then, then that calls out to the Lord and need. And... Uh, I was listening to something recently and the individual was talking about prayer and the point that they were making was we should be more engaged with who God is rather than our own problems Mm. and have a big view of God as we pray. And the same thing when we sing and we, we worship, what is this song? What is the song saying about God? What quality is coming out? And so that sets the whole tone and the whole heart posture for how I engage this song. Mm. This is a faithful God. This is a God who sees. This is a God who knows. This is a God who came near. This is a God whose love is unconditional. And then we match that reality and truth of of God's character, his presence. And then in light of that, it's it's my need or it's my experience or it's my need to give thanks. And then it, it becomes something far greater than just I'm singing a song. Mm. And it's you talked about the whole um, stems or, you know, I was thinking about uh, just AI and Mm. there's a lot of debate and discussion right now about what artificial intelligence is going to do to writing and to writing songs and writing term papers. You could have an AI worship leader. You could program something and who could say the right things, but it would be completely uh, inauthentic. Yeah. And, you know, we're looking for something, as you said, that comes from, from internal. So Yeah. yeah, love it. Yeah. What, what else maybe would be another thing that you would say, ah, man, this really makes a good vocalist. A musicality. It's a sense of, sense of understanding, uh, growing in your understanding of what music is and as a vocalist, understanding what's needed. Mm. So sometimes we've all seen these YouTube videos where a drummer is massively overplaying <laughs> drum fills on a quiet song or yeah. excessive drum fills or a guitar player that's riffing on with a distortion pedal on and uh, it's just completely inappropriate for the moment. <laughs> so musicality says in our instrument, our voice or our, mm. what we're playing, what's needed in this this moment in the song and then actually adding that and not adding more. So yeah. it calls for restraint, it calls for humility and someone may come in with very strong gifting and ability but Perhaps we don't need to see that, and maybe many times we don't need to see that in congregational worship. Add what's needed, because you understand what's needed in the moment, what's appropriate, and learning how to add in and learning how to lay out. So, and then, you know, this is, um, I think, understanding your role, too. I 
was watching something, actually someone from uh, Pakistan who's a, a believer just sent me some videos of what she's doing in ministry. And she's mm-hmm. got a beautiful, uh, classically trained operatic voice. Mm-hmm. And, but I was thinking that is an amazing thing for a concert and a performance, but that's not going to be helpful in a right. congregational corporate worship right. setting. So you have to know what, what the, the event is that is needed. And if you're leading people in worship, you have to sing so they can sing with you. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm a good enough singer for congregational worship, but I'm, I am by no means like a recording artist singer and that's fine. I don't have to be, but I've sung with female vocalists who are just like pitch perfect, outstanding singers and I remember I would sing with one a lot and she would just do all these vocal flourishes. And then I would like half the time, I'm like, I'm not in awe of the Lord. I'm in awe of her. Like she's just like mm-hmm. outstanding. And, yeah. um, and so that was something that a couple times I would talk to her about, like try to sensitively trying to be like, Hey, you're great. And that's awesome when you're recording songs and stuff. But like when we're leading worship, we need to just, our goal here is helping people sing, not, not showing off and not that that's what she was doing. I think sometimes that can just be a response of us enjoying the moment is we go nuts, you know, but, um, but trying to remind them. And then that leads to versatility. Like I do think that as singers, we need to be able to have versatility if you if the song calls for a massive vibrato because we're singing and can it be or something and and that's what you want okay, but we got to be able to sing sing clean we got to be able mm. to sing different parts, and so I would say uh, to a vocalist like try not to fall into the trap of this is what I do this is who I I I, I sing melody or I sing a part and that's it or I'm a soprano and that's it. It's like, try to stretch yourself, learn different styles, sing different styles, even though you may never use them ever in a worship context. All those kind of acts of stretching yourself and learning how to sing clean, learning how to do vibrato, learning how to do different parts, learning how to hear them. um, All those things are going to serve you because you're going to be able to be more versatile for your team. And let's say they want to do some sort of gospel-y styled organ going background kind of song. Um, cool. Then you're able to lean into that and support well, but a lot of the time it's going to be clean. It's going to be straight. It's going to be simple. And so that Mm. versatility is, is really helpful. Yeah. You know, as a, as leaders, we're saying, come with me. You're saying to the congregation, come with me, join me on where I'm going. And you can't, can't have somebody come with you if you're going somewhere that no one else can follow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Going up into make the it, stratosphere. Yeah, make it accessible and, you know, help help people have it easy to uh, to sing with you and, and to respond to the Lord like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would say, too, another thing, uh, you know, I just, just in terms of confidence, I I see a lot of singers attached to their, their, uh, their stand. Mm. So, you know, whether you use a music stand or have the words projected on the back screen, there's a whole sense of preparation needed in terms of just not only internalizing the lyrics, but, but generally being very familiar with the, the lyrics. Our eyes need to be two places, ideally on a, on a Sunday morning. Number one, on the congregation. Number two, on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if they're staring at our music stand or staring at the back wall, uh, we're missing something. So part of the preparation, the, the skillfulness of a singer is to actually learn, learn their songs. 
mm. and make a playlist of the songs that you will sing on Sunday. I don't know how how far in advance people get things. I would advocate that uh, worship planners, worship leaders, and pastors, you should be sending your your set list out a week to ten days in advance. And the team has adequate time to learn how to play them and sing them and listen to them and pray them and give them give them the ability to do that by giving them more time. Mm-hmm. Make a playlist and, and just begin to interact with those songs. And then long term, if you know, if a church has got thirty five or fifty songs that they sing in their, their repertoire, just begin to learn the songs that you don't know. Mm. So that that when it comes time to that song showing up on a set, that you're not caught off guard and that you know it. And then you can you can responsibly responsively and responsibly actually lead that song really well. Yeah. And that's a whole key to confidence. Confidence equals preparation. Mm-hmm. If you're not prepared, there's no confidence. If you're prepared, there's great confidence. Yeah. And so let's let's bring our best by being ready. Totally, totally. Maybe as we're wrapping up, we can both give one more, Jody. Um, I'm thinking one where I think I think blending with the band is is also a key skill that a vocalist needs to have making sure that you're in unison and you're partnering well with what's happening with the rest of the team on stage mm-hmm. um you know this idea comes from john wesley's um he has this directions for singing that he wrote in 1761 and he says this he gives a bunch of instructions for singing um and he talks a bit about, this is where we get the term, sing lustily and with good courage, you know. But there's this line where he says, sing modestly, do not bawl, so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation, that you may not destroy the harmony. And then he says, sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before it, nor stay behind it, and take care not to sing too slow. And I think there's kind of two ideas in there that are super helpful that I, I think a lot of vocalists do struggle with. It's it's singing, blending with the rest of the band so that you are fulfilling your role mm-hmm. properly. You are not over and above. And this maybe this is another episode too to our sound techs where it's like, hey, let's <laughs> let's not have have our background vocalists overpowering the melody mm-hmm. and when they're singing har- harmonies and stuff. But also being on time, like I it's one thing that I think all vocalists need to do is really, if you, if you're using in ears, make sure that you can hear the click, make sure that you are in time with the rest of the team because you, there's the last thing you want to be do, doing is like what Wesley is saying is being heard and you're dragging or you're pushing the band f- faster or you're slowing the congregation down because you are not in time with the rest of the team. And so I would say those, those two things are key. Sing modestly, you know, make sure you fit in with the team mm-hmm. and then sing on the time, sing with the time that the rest of the band is doing. I think those two things are, are huge. If you lock in with what's going mm-hmm. on, yeah. um, that that's really helpful. Yeah, and part of that too is just having good sight lines. Not only mm. being able to hear whether you use in ears or monitors, but you, uh, you have to hear yourself, and that's part of our responsibility as worship leaders and sound check. Yeah. Can everybody hear themselves? Can you hear your other vocalist? You're hearing each other, and then being able to watch, you know, mm. watch our lips, watch each other's lips as you sing and phrasing, and uh, locking in. I love that matching these vocal phrasing. I think my last one would be be a worshiper, not just a singer, mm. and you bring to a Sunday morning vocalist who you've been the other six days of the week. So worship outside of Sunday, not just on Sunday, spend time daily in God's presence and in his word and spend time singing to him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not advocating that what I do is uh, everybody's model, but I wake up and I stumble across the hall when I'm just waking up and my guitar is hanging hanging on the wall and I sit and I haven't even spoken yet, but I grab the guitar and I just sing to the Lord for the very first part of my day. Mm. That might be not everybody's thing, but spend some time singing. You are a singer, you're a worshiper, and vocalists sing to the Lord outside of a microphone and outside of Sunday morning mm. and and develop that aspect of your your faith and your walk and your worship with the That's Lord. good. Jody, as we close, what what would you say to worship leaders who are trying to work with their vocalists. So we've been talking to our vocalists, but listen, let's now talk to our worship leaders. Like what would you, what advice would you give them on working with vocalists? Thank them. First of all, that they're willing to serve They're volunteers. Let's remember that. And with them comes a family member who usually it's a husband because oftentimes the, the vocalists are, are females. Mm-hmm. And so thank their family, their husband and their family for the time that mom has away from home. And then I would just um, encourage them. Uh, you know, a lot of people are just needing encouragement and mm. affirmation and thank them for for their service and, and uh, their willingness to, to share their gifts in this way. And then just getting to know them, getting to know their personality. This is, in a sense, we're doing a shepherding role. Mm. And part of that, the proverb says, um, you know, the condition of your flocks. And as we lead people, we need to know their strengths and weaknesses, their mm. level of confidence, their personality style, and get to know how far they can be stretched, how far, um, you know, they can be pushed vocally or in terms of leadership. And then, then we know actually how far to, to, to push them or even to encourage them to take one more step. Mm. And then um, be kind to them. And then find out the right kind of pairings. If, if they're a soprano, then figure out the person on the rest of the team who, if you're going to match two vocalists, how you put them together in terms of chemistry, tone, style, range. And, um, and then if, you know, there's problems, if for whatever reason, have gentle conversations for change. And if there's a major problem, have a gracious but honest conversation. And this is as much about discipleship as it is about music. And in fact, it's probably more about discipleship than it is about music at the end of the day, because uh, the uh, Romans just talks about living in harmony with one another mm. and um, the God of peace um, will just be glorified and that God uh, will be honored with the fact that with one heart and one voice, we're, we're honoring him. It comes to, down to relationships. So be thankful mm-hmm. for them. I was thinking uh, maybe this will be my last thing as a, as a worship leader, I'm thankful for uh, supportive vocalists who blend with me and who strengthen my voice and who I can add my voice to strengthen and blend with theirs. And I'm thankful as a, a worship leader, particularly with the females, that if there's a song that is led and recorded by a female, that I let that, that woman uh, lead that song and I can support her in that. And it, mm. it is a team effort and we work together for the glory of God. Yeah. Amen. Well, we really do hope that this episode was helpful for you. And if you feel like this would be helpful for your team, uh, I'd encourage you to pass it along to them. It doesn't have to be a corrective thing. You can just be like, hey, there's some good stuff in here. Take a listen to it. Uh, That's why we do this podcast is to really help and equip the church for ministry. And so thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.